Blog Talk Radio. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream. My four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back to the talk with Micah and friends. And yes, It is me, Micah! (laughs) Now, you haven't heard my voice since November 11th when I had the interview with the Rulers of the Universe, but I am so glad to be blessed to have you all back with me one more time. Now, this week, actually, technically, is my one-year anniversary. Can you believe that? The show's been going on since December of 2013, the very first week. So, um, congratulations and to me, yay! <laughs> but nonetheless, this is not the anniversary edition. We will have the anniversary edition later on in the month, but stay tuned, and I'll definitely let you know when that is. Now, remember, you have the ability to follow the show in various ways. There's always www.hipcast.com. Again, that's www.hipcast.com. You will search within the podcast directory to talk with Mike and friends. There's also blogtalkradio.com forward slash to talk with Micah. Again, blogtalkradio.com forward slash to talk with Micah. And let's not forget iTunes via the software installed on your computer or simply by using the Purple Podcast app on any iPhone device that you may have. There's many out there. Now, with any one of those sites or applications, you can listen to our previous 33 episodes as well as the current episode, episode number 34. Now, be sure to check out some of my faves. I have a lot, but I'll tell you just a few. Um, the Legends panel interview I did with Tasha Long, Cezanne, and Yasmin Campbell-Starr, lovely interview. Both my HIV awareness shows, those are really, really good, so, you know, take a listen to those. Uh, Sex in the City, um, that was the interview I did with adult film stars, uh, Trap Boy, Hot Rod, Giovanni, Romeo, Lord Sanchez, and Domino Star. Um, so check that out. And there's actually going to be a part two coming up really, really soon with different adult entertainers, so stay tuned for that. Now, we also had Unmasking the Stars. Unmasking the Stars was basically getting down into the lives of Nicole Love Dupree and Stasha Sanchez, both of which are former national title holders and entertainers down in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, let's not forget the interview, the interviews I've done with the Rulers of the Universe, former rulers Cameron Black and Giselle Barbie Royale, and the reigning rulers ruling arm-in-arm Armandis Bonet and Armani Davenport, okay, Armani Nicole Davenport, so don't forget that. And then my Real Raw and Uncut series, I have a lot of those, I think maybe five or six of those, so check those out, and you know, with those particular episodes, you know, we talk about any and everything under the sun as it relates to sex, relationships, friendships, and drama. And one of my very, very, very uh, good interviews, uh, Coffee Talk with the legendary and iconic Miss Jasmine Bonet. And I have so many, so many others. Again, it's like 33, 34 episodes. So, hey, when you're at the gym, you need something to listen to. When you're at work, on break, whatever the case may be, pop that in, okay, and, and, and support the talk with Micah and friends. Now, I also want to go on record and give a big congrats to Ricardo Larice and Amaya Chancellor on being named the very first Ultimate Future Find Friday winners. Now, Future Find Fridays is a new recognition piece 
that's that we've been doing for the last what twenty one weeks or so, and we've actually highlighted forty three individuals. And out of the forty three individuals, the very two that was deserving, who were judged and voted on by you guys, was Ricardo Larice and again Amaya Chancellor. So congrats to them, and they both will actually receive a glass engraved award very very soon. So congrats to them. And while we're talking about Amaya, let's go ahead and give her another congrats, Amaya Chancellor, and her king, Marquise Francimon, on winning Mr. and Miss Renaissance Newcomer um, just a few weeks ago, as well as Valentino Lord Alexander and his lovely queen, Antoinette Chanel Roberts, on winning Mr. and Miss Westland 2015, Noely Richards and Aja on capturing Mr. and Miss Renaissance, and Carity Bell on winning Miss Renaissance Plus. So congrats, 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 and all of you have a wonderful reign. Well, now that I have all those things out of the way, before we get into this week's town hall meeting with the Sebastian Alexander, Ebony Sherry, and Dario Cole, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Candyland Productions proudly presents Sweetheart International Weekend, February 14th through the 15th, 2015, in Atlanta, Georgia, at the Ramada Plaza Atlanta Downtown Capitol Park, located at 450 Capitol Park Avenue in Atlanta, Georgia honoring the newcomers, Saeed St. James and Pretty Golden St. James, honoring the at-large, Mr. and Miss Tyson Shamar and Nala Couture Alexandria, as well as Mr. and Miss Sweetheart International themselves, Artavian Bonet St. James and the Minx. Entry fee is $150 for the newcomers and $250 for the at-large, as well as the Mr. and Miss division. The pageant categories are presentation, red, white, or a combination, sportswear or swimwear, non-seasonal, talent, seven-minute max, formal wear, evening gown, and top five question and answer. For more information, you can contact Candy Wilson, Ian Starr, Georgia Harrison, or Gia Tejur. Again, that's the Sweetheart International Weekend being held February 14th through the 15th in Atlanta, Georgia. Duval Pantry System presents Mr. Duval 2015, The Freak Show. Honoring Valentino Lord Alexander, it will be held this weekend Sunday, December 7, 2014, at the Scottish Rites Cathedral in Jacksonville, Florida. The admission for the contest is $25 for the patrons, and the entry fee for the contestants is $200. Categories include presentation, which is self-expression, but you must state your expression, talent, sportswear, formwear, as well as question and answer. Again, that is Mr. Duval, 2015, The Freak Show, honoring Valentino Lord Alexander. Black America Junior and Junior Miss, honoring Alejandro Dickinson and Akira Chanel Davenport, will kick off the Black America National Weekend on March 13, 2015 in Atlanta, Georgia. The categories include presentation in black, not judge, for the males, formal wear with the red bow tie, for the females, a black cocktail dress or a black gown. Again, that category is not judge. Now for the judge categories, you have sportswear, talent, Formal wear, gown, and question and answer for all contestants. Entry fee for the pageant is $200, which is due no later than January 11th for pre-registration. Contestants out there or aspiring contestants, if you do not have your packet, feel free to hit me up to talk with Micah at gmail.com. You can also inbox Alejandro Dickinson on Facebook, Akira Chanel Davenport, as well as Timmy Hawkins on Facebook as well. Again, it is Black America Junior and Junior Miss to be held March 13th, 2015 in Atlanta, Georgia. Good evening, everyone out there in Westland. I'm your personal grand empress, Yesha Bubba Alexander, calling from the lovely city of New Orleans, Louisiana. 
Join me January 24th and 25th as I relinquish my title as well as the beautiful Candace Brooks, the Clouds of All Queen. For contest details, you can contact myself as well as Yabli Quest or Candace Brooks. Guys, you want to come out, support, support, support. It's going to be a very good pageant. And for all the contestants, I have one bit of advice. Make sure your tuck is right and your bra is tight because it's going to be a contest that night. See you then. <laughs> Diamonds are forever. We, the Diamond of the South family, cordially invite you to join us December the 5th for an amazing night of pageantry. Mr. and Mrs. Diamond of the South 2014-2015, honoring Mr. Alphonse Dupree and Miss Jasmine Dupree at the historic Carver Theater in New Orleans, Louisiana, featuring Diamond of the South newcomers Amaje Dickerson and Miss Sequoia Dickerson, Miss Diamond of the South Plus, Miss Coffey, and hosted by yours truly, Mr. Amarje Davenport Dickerson. For more information, contact Diamond of the South or any Diamond of the South family member via Facebook. Remember, it's your time to shine. So save the date. See you there. Words never spoken is more than a book. It's a movement. It's for the man that's trapped in the closet, the man that's teaching himself how to lie, how to sneak, how to cheat, how to get over, and how to pass. It's for the little boy that wants to tell his mommy and daddy that he likes boys. It's for the man that will marry a girl knowing he's gay. It's for the man that will almost end his life because he's afraid the truth just may come out. It's my attempt to heal the frustrations that come with being gay, black and gay in particular. It offers permission to just be without apology. What's up, people? This is Craig Stewart. I am the author of Words Never Spoken, a memoir. It's available on Amazon.com, or you can download it to any e-reader. You can even visit my website at www.CraigTheWriterStewart.com. Welcome back. Welcome back. If you've just joined us, you've actually joined us at the best possible time. This is episode show number 34, Micah's Town Hall Meeting, Part 2. Now, our very first town hall meeting aired September 10th, and we spoke about some pressing issues that have continued in order to create a part two. Today I have with me Daryl Cole, Sebastian Alexander, and Ebony Sherry to sit and talk with me just a little bit about some of those same issues that are still talked about even today and a few new ones. So, again, let's welcome Daryl, Sebastian, and Ebony. Welcome to the show, everybody. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hey, God. So, is somebody in the car? <laughs> is somebody in the car? Get it out of the no. car. I was, oh, I, was. Okay. I, I handled it. It was me. Oh, okay. No, it's okay. I'm just kidding. But um, thank you so very much for being a part of tonight's show. Um, we have a lot to discuss, um, so we'll go ahead and get it, get right into it. Now, to, to my listening audience, as we are discussing the topics, um, be inclined to chime in by pressing one on your phone. Um, we want to make sure that this, sh- that this show is as interactive as possible. So even though we have Del Rio, Ebony, and Sebastian here to discuss certain topics, I would love for you all to jump in and challenge us on the topics presented. Um, it's always good to look at things from a different perspective and respect yet understand one's view or stance behind a certain situation or issues that affect not only the celebrities out there but even us. Um, I didn't choose a panel that will all agree with one another, but I, I want to choose a panel that would challenge and force each of us to think differently. As they say, you learn something new every day. So with that said, let's go ahead and um, get right into it. So my panel, are you guys ready? Ready. Okay. So let's let's talk about let's talk about Ray Rice first. 
Um, let's talk about him. Now, on this past Friday, um, uh, which is Black Friday, uh, former Baltimore Ravens running back Ray Rice, um, who was playing for the team right up here where I live, um, won his appeal of his uh, indefinite suspension by the NFL for violating its domestic violence policy. Now, Ray said in the statement, he said, I made inexcusable mistakes and accept full responsibility for my actions. I am thankful that there was a proper appeals process in place to address this issue. Um, he said that he's going to continue to work hard and to improve himself and learn from his mistakes. So, question to my panel and to my listeners out there who, who would like to chime in. Um, as we know, the video of that violent act and its immediate aftermath became available for the world to see. So, now let's here's, here's the thing. Let's say um, you are the editor of a news organization. I'm going to take a little spin on this. So let's say that you, you guys are um, the editor of a news organization. Tell me, in regards to the reference to the video, will you actually show the video on your tele- television program or a website, and how will you show it? So, you know, everybody was everybody was showing it, you know, and, and, and putting it out there and, you know, exploiting it, basically. So if you were a news editor um, of a, a large uh, magazine or newspaper or, or whatever it has to be, would you actually show that video on, on, on the television program or on your website? How you show it, how often, and why would you show it? So however you want to answer that, you know, if you want to choose the why first, it's perfectly fine, but would you actually put that out there for how long, why, and how often, all that good stuff? So who wants to chime in? Mm-hmm. I'll go first. Um, okay. I would show it if I was a sports-based broadcast or any type of sports-based media. I would show it um, because of the simple fact it has something to do with sports. And anybody that loves sports, 9 out of 10, will love the Baltimore Ravens because of their success history. And because of their success, Ray Rice had a lot to do with it because of the role that he played within the Super Bowls when they were victorious. And he's a dominant force in the NFL. Um, I would show it for that reason. I would refrain from repeatedly showing it because of the graphics and the nature of the situation and incident which took place because it it, it, it showed something that um, was very disturbing and alarming to me, being as though I am female, um, and because I have a mother and I have sisters that are also females, and I don't ever want to send the wrong message. And the video, to me, still seems as though it was chopped and they did not show the video in its entirety. And it's still rumored that there's other parts of the video that are, that's available that's not being shown. Mm-hmm. So my thing was, if they were able to do that, I think there was something that they did not show. And that's why they were so hard on um, on the commissioner, because they felt like he had um, privilege to the video and still made his decision prior to Mm-hmm. making this decision, and that's why we're at the point that we're at now because um, they, was just, they can't do him double jeopardy. That's why they have already right. given um, punishment so they were not able to go back and change it once it was already passed on to him by the commissioner. For me personally, I would have showed it only if I was a sports broadcast or any type of media dealing with sports because, like I said, the success of that, and I also wanted to show that to show people that, you're not above breaking the law, and that's certain that 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 you are going to be reprimanded for wrongdoing. That's the reason why I would show it. That's the network I would show it on, and that would be the only area to me I would show it on. <laughs> right, the sports network. Okay. Um. So so anyway, with showing it on a, a sports, just a sports based network. Um. In, in regards to you know, uh, I guess if they say advocating or 
um, preaching or, or exposing that, you know, domestic violence and how bad it is. Like, if it's just shown on, on a sports network, how are people that maybe may have been abused or maybe abusers but not necessarily follow sports, like, how would they really tap into it or, or know about it? Well, that goes back to how I feel about several things. Um, mm. I believe that most of the wrongdoing has too much of a highlight in mainstream television and our media. Mm. And I think by us giving so much attention to people who do wrongdoing, there's people that hung that are hungry for attention and they don't care what measures they do it as. Mm. Even a person, most of the time serial killers um, commit a lot of crime and murders and do whatever it is they do because they want to leave their impact and their mark on the earth. And by us constantly reliving this and showing this, we're validating their purpose for doing this a lot of times. So to me, I would prohibit the limitations and how much is just shown. And if I do show it, me personally, it would mm-hmm. just be a number. Your whole existence okay. will be eradicated and you will be a number. So what's validation in you being a number? I mean, you can do this, but, hey, you'll be number X and you'll be number X. And I think a lot of times that because people like Charles Manson and people like that are a part of history forever because we're constantly talking about this and we're constantly living this. And right. their names are, are still fresh on people's heads. And a lot of times people do this for attention because and, and most of the people who are successful believe there's no publicity, good or bad. No such thing as bad publicity when you're able to have your name shown in a place where it never would be shown before. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. Not anyone else want to tackle tackle that uh, that particular question in regards to um, if you were the news editor um, or editor of a, a magazine or, or a news station, like, you know, would you show it on your show? How often? Um, why? Would, what's the intent behind it? Why Micah, behind this, is, this is Del Rio. Mm-hmm. Um, I would I would definitely show it. So I agree with uh, Ebony. Uh, I would definitely show it. Uh, I think outside of um, outside of like sports talk, sports talk and uh, sports media, mm-hmm. I would show it, especially for low information voters. Uh, I mean, not voters, but low information uh, citizens who don't a lot of times get the information from cable networks and things of that nature the local networks have to uh, carry some of these things. So I, I think uh, even if I was like a local TV exec or, or something like that, uh, it would be something I would carry because I just feel like uh, the football players, and I, and I guess it comes from a a, a, a part inside of me that, uh, that gets angered by um, the amount of money and attention and status that, these sports uh, figures they garner versus the money, attention, and status that these uh, and I and I, I'm very careful when I say this. Some of these great police officers and firemen and teachers out here and the work that they're doing, and of course I I take that you know particularly uh, personal because I have done two of those professions, uh, and so it's it's very like it's serious to me. Uh, when you know my kids have to sit down and they look at these things and they're they're viewing, uh, you know these these sports figures as if they are supermen. And yes, they are good. They are talented. They have great skill sets when it comes to sports. But I just mm-hmm. I do believe that when they have these great skill sets that, that uh, and, and and they're great at sports, there is that other part to them that our kids look up to them. You know, and and they're they're purporting a lot of these things. And and ideas and a lot of these uh, issues and they're 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 out there speaking on certain things, but then their lifestyles are not backing up what 
you know what is what what they're what they're saying. So I do think that it should have been shown. I do think that you know there there it was appropriate to cut and uh, edit a lot of it because it was particularly uh, graphic in its nature. Uh, but I do think it should have been out there for people to see. I mean, hey, everything else is out there. They they show everything else. Why not show something that though it is in its essence a negative thing. Uh, it's a teachable moment, you know, for me with my kid, it's a teachable moment for, for me to tell her, even at the age of nine, you know, to, to, to this, that this is not acceptable and it's not cool for you to sit here and think that because you hear this, the, the wife of this player who basically, you know, beat her the way that he did, it's not cool for, for you to think it's okay just because she's in some sense validating it. So I'm I'm totally in agreement that it should be uh it should be put out there. Okay. Um I'm gonna ask this question to Sebastian and thank you so much, um, Del Rio. Uh Sebastian, I I wanna know, you know, people make mistakes, you know. Um and I want all of us to be very honest about this. You know, of course we can't we're not judging anyone and we're not psychics, and we don't know exactly what happened. All we're all we're going from is what has presented to us in the media and the news and things of that nature. So, um, but Sebastian, you know, we all we all make mistakes, and every day every, we're making a mistake, and then what we're supposed to do is learn from from this mistake. So, um, I, I want you to to ask a question. Do you feel like um, that all should be forgiven for for what he's done? If his wife, I mean, this was his girlfriend at one point. Um, Janae, I believe her name is. So Janae was his was his girlfriend during this during this whole situation. Who was later later down, like I guess two or three months later, became his wife. So she was able to accept his apology and move forward. Shouldn't we? So so what do, what do you feel about how people are not wanting to necessarily give Ray Rice um, that second chance? You know, girlfriend. Um, I feel about it a lot of different ways. You know, for me, I really pride myself on not having my name in a lot of mess. I know this is going to go kind of way one way, but this is kind of how I feel when it comes down to how I live my life. If it does not concern me, I could give a flying fuck. If it does not concern, you know, my family, or and even if it does, if it's not life or death, if it's not like that, I can care less. So with that being said, do I do I forgive Ray Rice? I could care less about Ray Rice. Quite honestly, before any of this happened, I ain't know who that motherfucker was in the first place. I mean, I just don't watch sports like that. So public opinion is always going to be high. It's just like Chris Brown and Rihanna. You know, she forgave him. Mama said, baby, come on back home. And y'all like, well, now why is she going back to him? She He knocked the shit out of her. If she forgave him, by all means, baby, I can forgive you too. Because if you bold enough to walk your black ass back into that situation, whatever the situation may be, who am I to say, no, nah, girl, you wrong? If I gave you my opinion once, and if you take it, great. If you don't take it, well, bitch, if you knock your ass out again, girl, don't call me. That's just my personal opinion. After a while, America will forget about it. Everything has a cycle. One moment we was talking about Ebola, 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 Ebola. Then Bill Cosby came out, then we forgot about Ebola, then we started talking about Bill Cosby, Bill Cosby, Bill Cosby. 
something going to come around sooner or later to make everybody forget about Ray Rice. And at that point, he will be at that point, it will be given. It will, it will be forgiven in public opinion, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, so, but at, at the same token, and, and I totally understand what you're saying. But, but in the event, you know, let's say you become, you know, really famous for for whatever it is to be, and you become a um, a um, you know just some a celebrity, you know, public figure, whatever it is to be. And because you are not a public figure, because you're a celebrity, you may do some, you may do something that is now for the most part, unforgivable in certain people's eyes. You may do something and not, you know, it's your private life, but because you are a public figure, it has now become public knowledge. So at the same, put your, put yourself in his shoes because I understand the fact that you say it's not our, you know, it's none of your business. Because you said it on, on the last show, it's, it's, you know, whatever, whatever. But at the same time, we are discussing this. So I, I want to know, you know, if, the, if you were, if the shoe was on the other foot, you know, would you want to, because we all make mistakes, would you want the, the, the people to um, to forgive you or to accept you back into their good graces for whatever you've done? I mean, that's pretty much a yes or a no. I mean, it it all depends because, you know what, I, most of the people that know me know I'm very cool, if you will. I don't mm-hmm. sugarcoat. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. I'm a cusser mm-hmm. by nature. But at a certain point, that. Hey, don't do that, there, Rio. Don't don't motherfucking do it. Uh, but at some point in celebrity, I, I know that's not a word, but you know what I mean. Right. You have to understand that people are watching you. Right. You have to understand that you are under a microscope. And me just being little old me at this point, one day, maybe one day, I hope that I'll be a great theater actor and all that good stuff. And when I reach that point, I will have to say, Hey, Sebastian, before I do this. How can this affect me in the long run? And that's just how I am. You know, I'm not saying that I'm above reproach, and I'm not saying that I don't make mistakes. But most of my mistakes, I talk about my mistakes. I put my mistakes out in the forefront. I've never been one to really shame away. Ain't too much. If anybody watch my blog, ain't too much that I don't see. Folks know I didn't been to the bathhouse. Folks know I didn't been here. Folks know they know pretty much everything about me. So if I put it out there first, you can't come back on me. Now, say for instance that video would not have come out, or he knew it was about to come out, and he did a press conference saying, saying, you know, I made a mistake. You're gonna see this in the next coming days or whatever, whatever. But I'm getting help. Da 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 da. It's after the fact when you when you when after the fact when you have a problem. So my thing is this: you can't tell my story better than me. You can't tell me or tell about my mistake better than me. So before you blast me, I'm gonna put the shit out there first, so they can get the so they can get the gossip or whatever it is from my mouth before they get it from somebody else's mouth. Ebony, I want to ask you this, uh, or Dario. Um, uh, Let's 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 assessing the situation and looking at it, you know, with just the both of our eyes, you know. Do you? I have my own feelings in regards to to what I'm about to ask you, but do you feel like they say this is only this has happened, you know? This was the first time, you know. She said it on the very first interview she did. This was the first time yet, never, whatever the case may be. I mean, do you believe that? <laughs> do you I mean, I'll just okay. Go ahead. Go ahead, Ebony. I, I I don't believe it. I mean, okay. I don't, I don't believe it. Go ahead, Dario. I do. I I definitely like. I categorically like. <laughs> totally uh, do not believe that. If you uh-huh. and 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 this is coming from a 
a, a former police officer who studies body language. There is no way that a man can uh, can treat uh, his love interest, and I'll put it in 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 those terms, his mm-hmm. love interest subsequent to seeing her. The way that he handled her body, mm-hmm. the way that he, and I don't care if you're in a drunken stupor or whatever. My thing is this: I have been drunk before and had come had to come home to my daughter here. I've been drunk, had come home to parents or whatever. I have never in my life been that upset. And and, and, and this is just me personally. Never been that upset where I have gotten into it with somebody and, and, and that I love and had to fight them. Okay? I've never gotten to that point because I'm always straightforward with it from the beginning. If I got to fight you, we don't need to be together. Bottom line. I'm not getting, I'm not Go ahead, go ahead, T. For me, it wasn't the fact that he hit her. I mean, of course, I mean that that was that was disturbing to me. But it was the undertone and the manner in which he did it, which was a problem for me. He did that like she was just some stranger on the street that he had sure no idea of. Right. That was the first time seeing. So mm-hmm. that was the biggest problem for me. He dazed. He hit her, shook her up, left her in a daze. She slithered down the elevator glass. And he left her there, then, per- then pursued to drag her by her feet and her hand out of the elevator. So that was well, the most alarming thing that I think made everybody. Um, it wasn't the fact of him hitting her or things like that, mm-hmm. because we hear all kinds of stories about NFL stars and NBA stars. I love sports, so that's one mm-hmm. area that I follow very closely. Anybody that knows me knows that. But that's not the thing that really had everybody all in arms. It was the manner and the undertone in which he displayed physically. That I made think would alarm. Because I think what alarmed like- me most, what alarmed me most about the whole situation wasn't even that he hit her. Because I understand, I'm going to be honest with you, even though I've never been in any type of domestic dispute ever in my life, I understand that those situations arise where people, passions get involved and a, a lot of things can, can happen, you know, when passions flare. So I do understand that. My issue with the whole situation is, it is, is number one, the 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 prompting of the the Ravens organization to put that young lady out there and and make her apologize. That's number one because mm-hmm. she said in the interview that she was coerced to apologize. She, she didn't was. want to do it. She was. Mm-hmm. And number two, number two, aside of the apology, I just feel like. In her in in her in her subsequent interviews that she's been having this interview I think with Matt Lauer I think mm-hmm. I think it's horrible that her and her mother to a certain extent basically on national TV validated this whole situation mm-hmm. so she's been she's been more of my focus than the actual hitting because. Honestly, domestic disputes happen every day in our country. Happening right My now. My problem is when we, right, even right now as we speak, and some people are probably on, on this line in a domestic dispute. But my issue is this. Don't validate that type of uh, behavior. When we validate mm-hmm. that type of behavior and then, we, and, and then we, 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 we're teachers and we're parents 
you know, we're police officers and we work in corporate America and we do this and we do that. And then we see those things. I think it's hypocrisy when we when we validate it with, with one side of our tongue and then the other side, we look at it as, you know, oh, well, that's just them. Like it, it's just it's totally it was totally ludicrous to see her sit there and validate that this man just hit you and basically, you know, knocked you out. And it's okay after watching that video to apologize for what you did. Like, really? That exposes something something that's bigger than the whole situation of that. That exposes the thing of us being being human and we all dispose and have a ticket on us. I think it's more or less her lifestyle was depending on that, and that's one thing she didn't want to part with. Because most of the women in those type of situations don't want to leave the situation they're in because that's a way of life for them, and they have been crippled mentally and physically to feel like there are no other options. So that's the most alarming thing for me, that that cycle is going to continue to breed. And unfortunately, if there's kids in the household that's witnessing this, they're going to get the go-ahead to think that it's okay. So I think that's why I said a situation like that should have only been consolidated and condensed and to a certain area where that would be trivial to uh, people that had an interest in it because it, it, it raises all kinds of other problems for me. For one, we live in a patriotic mm-hmm. society that, that exposes patronism and that exposes how men are still powerful and how they run the country. And like you said, even though she was the victim, she still had to come up and be his hero. And she was the right. victim. You understand what I'm right. saying? So right. to me, that's why I think that only should have been mandated to a certain area of media coverage to me, in my opinion. And thank you for bringing it back up so that only solidifies why I said what I said and why that only should have been brought to the area because we don't want to send yeah. the wrong message. And that's the problem right now. Everybody's talking about our black men, our mm-hmm. black men, our black men. At the end of the day, the women are the key to the future, and nobody's even taking time to console the women. I mean, if you look on the Internet now, we have young young girls that are 13 and 14 years old having sex tapes. Guys are running trains on them, and it's okay. You mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? Because the yeah, women right. are no longer a priority. Women have totally became not a priority, and it's all about the men. And once again, mm-hmm. she was the victim, but she had to be his hero. And right. on top of that, we had to send this across any area or any news wave that had, had transmitting power. That was a problem for me. I think because it was a sports-related issue, they dealt with that that way. I feel as though they should have handled that, and it should have only been received on that channel. And I do think they should have been in some other areas where people um, – well, women organizations should have marched in and chimed in like they always do. Look for certain causes to make their cause relevant in their agenda. They should right. have. But there are her. some. There are some women. Uh, women's organizations they, like they, now they, that spoke they, out they, against at, this. They did speak out against that, but my thing is that now that they happened, that happened that one time they spoke out, and now those groups have disbanded. Did she no right. longer have that large amount of support like she first did? And that's what right. happens when a fire is lit. It's not going to end like that, even with a wildfire. People think it's over, but it's not. It's still simmering underneath the surface, and it's going to resurface again. This I wanna, one is going to need the support for the rest of her life. I want to, and Ebony, you bring up so many great points, and I, and I want to be able to um, move on to the next. But I do want to, um, I read this article um, in regard to the whole part of, you know, should um, Ray Rice or or reason why he should not receive a second chance in uh, in in regards to being in the NFL and something stuck out to me and if any I'll let one of you chime in on what what I'm about to read and then we'll move on to our next topic um, but it says sometimes celebrities fail to live up to their responsibilities rather than forgiving the sins of whom we have made demigods we owe it to our children 
to hold their hero's feet to the fire and send a clear message. If we're going to pay somebody tens of millions of dollars to make movies, play sports, or perform on the stage, then we should also let them know that the privilege we have granted can be easily revoked if they fail to act responsibly. Rice made himself a celebrity when he accepted a $35 million contract with the NFL football team. When he punched his fiancée in the face and dragged her unconscious body out of a hotel elevator, he violated a public trust, and he shouldn't be allowed to play football for the NFL anymore. Admittedly, the zero-tolerance policy argument flies in the face of the mitigation that I always argue on behalf of my criminal clients, but most criminal clients are not role models to me as a fan. Just like Don Sterling, who was stripped of his ownership of the L.A. Clippers for making racist, racist remarks, Rice should learn that if you're going to bear the fruit, then you must also bear the burden. When we tell abusers such as Ray Rice in such a public way that it's okay to knock out your wife and drag her out of the elevator, then we're also telling everyone that it's okay. When we're, um, we're telling the young boys and the teenagers who wear Rice jerseys that hitting women is simply okay. Anyone, one person, who wants to, who wants to, who wants to say anything about what I just read? <laughs> I'll go for it. Go ahead. Go for it, baby. Go for it. I will say this: that I I agree with uh, with his statement. Uh, I'm not sure who that was, but I agree with his statement in part. The only mm-hmm. thing that I would say concerning that statement is my only, and I feel passionate about this. My only responsibility to my children is to be the role model that. I need to be for them. I'm mm-hmm. going to be honest with you. That's the way mm-hmm. that I feel because at the end of the day, my daughter is not looking for Serena Williams. Is, um, uh, she's not looking for a role model in Serena Williams. She likes right. her as a good tennis player. She's looking for a great role model in her mother and her father. How does my dad, even though my mom and dad are divorced, how does my dad treat my mom? How mm-hmm. does he talk to my mom? How does he handle financial issues with my mom? That's what my daughter is looking at. And so my, my pushback on, uh, to, to his article would be our biggest responsibility is not to hold their feet to the fire, but to hold our own feet to the fire. Because if we're holding their feet to the fire, but we're doing things in our house that's counterproductive and counterintuitive to the things that we're holding to their feet, then we're being hypocrites. So my whole thing is, we have to be the role models and we have to live the life that we want our kids to have. We have to set those things up for them and not allow sports figures and movie stars to do that for us. All right. Thank you so very much. Someone uh, said something in regards to, well, they said um, on Facebook, I'm pressing one and um, I'll hold though, but I don't see anyone's press. So uh, if you had a comment or concern, you know, you can go to press one and we'll get back to you. But let's move into Bill Cosby. Um, let's talk about Bill Cosby for a little bit. Um, it seems as if every day brings another allegation. Um, and someone, I, I forgot which one said it <laughs> in regards to the, you know, I think it was Del Rio. You know, one day they're talking about this, or Sebastian said one day talking about this, tomorrow they talk about something else. So we're, we're going to go to Bill Cosby. And 504, I see you, so I'm going um, to reach back out to you before we take our break. Um, but it seems as if every day brings another allegation that further dismantles Bill Cosby's image as a jovial, put-in-loving patriarch whose family-friendly brand of comedy tickled several generations. Through, um, though the star denied most of the accusations that he drugged and sexually assaulted young women seeking career guidance, stories are taking their toll on his reputation as well as his bankroll. The stories of Cosby's misdeeds have been around for about a decade, believe it or not, but they recently got a new life when a comedian took aim at him. 
Now, Cosby, who's 77 years old, has never faced a, 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 a judge or a jury, let alone been convicted over the allegations. But it's clear many people have already tried him in their minds. Last month, Cosby told Florida Today that he won't respond to any innuendos referring to women's accusations. He said, I know people are tired of me not saying anything, but a guy doesn't have to answer to innuendos. People should fact check. People shouldn't have to go um, go through that and shouldn't answer to innuendos. Um, and at least 17 women have spoken out to various media outlets accusing Cosby of sexual misconduct. Now, I was doing my research today or whatever on, on, on the Cosby situation, and what I, I, I wrote down um, all of the women that they had listed. They had had more, but I have all of the women. Um, Victoria Valentino, who was a former Playboy bunny. Um, Linda, who she went, to, she went to prison later on for drug trafficking. Um, Andrea, she was a former staffer of the women's basketball team at Temple University. Um, who else we have? We have Carla who is now the wife of the person who played The Incredible Hawk years ago. Um, and when she told her husband, hey, you know, uh, this happened, da 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 he told her to go ahead and remain silent. Um, Tamara Green, she was an inspiring model. Janice Dickinson, which is a former supermodel. Um, this lady named Beth, she, um, they uh, had, well, the first instance was not necessarily uh, one that was, you know, it wasn't consensual, but two years later after the quote-unquote incident happened, they had, like, a, a consensual affair. Um, Barbara, who was a model and actress, and this happened to her at 17 years old. Christina, she was a secretary for a talent agency. And another lady by the name of Jewel, who was a model, and there was many more. But those are the ladies I wanted to pinpoint. And, wh- and what I noticed, and we can talk about it, but I noticed that um, all of them kind of had the same type of story for the most part. Like, it involved pills. You know, like, Bill Cosby gave him a pill. So one person thought it was for menstrual cramps. Uh, another person, I mean, it was just, it's just crazy. And so it's just like, at this point, this man is 77 years old, okay? I'm not, excusing, I'm not excusing what he's done if he did it. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> but my whole thing is, why now? Why now? Right. So, so, so the question to you guys, why do you think that these ladies have decided to, to come out all of a sudden in regards to things that they say Bill Cosby did to them over the years, in the early years, rather? <clears throat> Uh, okay, so <laughs> you talk about Stan Albert, uh, Cousin Bill. I really don't understand why now. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, it's almost like the statute of limitations are up, baby. Why? What are you trying to get out of the deal? This man has nothing new going on. He is sitting back, steady, calling black folks ignorant in his own little world. What is it? Why now? My thing is this. If you didn't open your mouth then, mm-hmm. why do it now? This man being Emmy, I don't like the image of Bill Cosby. That's all I'm going to say. I like the image that he has put out. Uh-huh. I like the Cosby show. I like the other show that he had, Cosby, that Fat uh-huh. Albert kid. Uh-huh. I like his books. In my mind, Bill Cosby would be lovable until you give me some tangible motherfucking proof that he touched you. Uh-huh. Leave the man alone. That's all I'm saying. And I'll say I this, mean, Sebastian. Go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, even though, even if you do give me proof, and I, I make a lot of grief for this, but, I mean, 
any opportunity is an opportunity for an opportunity. an opportunity for an opportunist, and I'm gonna just leave it at that. Digest it however you want. Most of the people that you name are, are what at a point in their life where we all have wanted something so bad, and we have went through. We would have went through dire measures to get it. And obviously, those ladies found that dire situation. If that was the case, we'll just say that he was that dire resource that gave them the that gave that was the vehicle to get them to where they wanted to be. They got what they wanted out of it, and I honestly, I think it was consensual if it did happen. That's just yeah. I mean, because, I, um, I, I really feel it would have been consensual. On a lot of the, not, the, the was, on a lot of the stories, um, one thing that I noticed, and from from a little paperwork here that I printed out, but there's a there was a lot of stories where it just was like, well, people ask me why didn't I come out, and it was like, well, they're not gonna believe me, and da da da. No, ma'am, I want to say the B word, but I'm not gonna do it. No, ma'am, they would they probably <laughs> wouldn't have believed you. They probably wouldn't believe you. You know, it, you're a white woman and this black man. I'm sorry to say it, but this man came out, what, in the 70s and 80s? You know, um, probably even before then, but was very prominent in the 70s and 80s. So you telling me that this black man raped you and you go to the hospital and they do that test on you and know that you got some type of tranquilizer or drug or whatever the case may be in your body that has made your, your body limp, unaware, unconscious, and, and, and you you have vaginal tearings and stuff like that, so you don't think they're not, they're not going to believe you? I don't want to hear that. You know what I'm saying? So, Micah, so yeah. Micah, two 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 things. One one uh, directed to to Sebastian just to clear something up, and then the next one towards what you just said. Okay, um, go ahead. So this, this so because this was filed in um, in in New York, this this these charges are being filed in New York. Uh, New York does not have a statute of limitations for first degree rape. So they, it can act. They can actually charge him with first degree rape because first degree rape carries. Uh, it's one of the elements of first degree rape is uh, you know being a, a drug induced stupor when you're engaging in a sexual act because uh, according to the law, you 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 cannot give consent when you're in a drug induced stupor according to the law. Now we can argue that all day, but. As far as statute of limits, the statute of limitations, there are no statute of limitations as far as this case is concerned. So there are going to be a few of them that will be uh, upheld, if you know, that will go to trial. Some of them won't because they were not filed in New York. And, and you uh, do know so this man is not going to clear win. that up. You know he's not going to I mean, right. he's, he's not going to win. Not, well, no, I'm, I'm not going to say that. I want to say that they're not going to win. That's very, I, I, Now, you can explain to me why you think that he's not going to win, but I, you mm – -hmm. I, there, you said there's no, you know, statute of limitation in New York, and I get that, but there is no damn proof, okay? If your ass is 73, there's a woman that I think she's 73 years old. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna find her name, uh, Emerson. She's right. 70, she's 73 years old. You 73, baby. This man is 77. You have no proof that when you was in your 20s that this man had sexually assaulted you or, or so, did anything. So let me. So let me give you a little guidance on the law with that, okay? Uh, we all know me, that according to the law, they're, they're tell me how they're going to prove it. Okay, I'm about to show you. So okay, there are two, there are two things. There, there are two things, two ways to prove uh, uh, things in a court mm -hmm. of law. There's one by circumstantial evidence, and the other mm -hmm. one is by material evidence. So right. when when you can't produce material evidence, when you get seven. Eight. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be proved. I'm saying mm -hmm. on, on these grounds, it can be proven. When you get 7, 8, 12, 15 women who are saying mm -hmm. the same thing, mm -hmm. 
the circumstantial evidence around that mm-hmm. can cause it. The, one of the biggest issues they're going to run into, is, and, and what, which is one of the biggest uh, points of evidence, is uh, rape kits with DNA and things of that nature. So, right. you, like you're saying, she's 70-something years old. This happened in her <laughs> 20s. You can't, you can't do a rape kit on her right now and get anything <laughs> but maybe cobwebs at this point. I'm in the lab. Go ahead. But, but I'm just saying... But I just don't feel like um, at this point, uh, I mean, I do feel like at this point that they may not be able to do anything when it comes to material evidence or tangible mm-hmm. evidence. But I do think as far as circumstantial evidence, I think if, if, if these these ladies have uh, a good uh a team of attorneys and these attorneys can come together and make a convincing argument. I do think that they can get him honestly, because I, I looked at the case with uh, over at, uh, what was it? Penn state with Jerry Sandusky. And when Jerry Sandusky went to jail for, uh, uh, the, the boys or whatever, uh, molesting those little boys yeah. in the locker room and things of that nature. It was a lot of, it, most of those boys, there was no rape kit that could be done on them. Right. So what they did was they used the testimonies of these little boys, and they used the one testimony, of course, that, that really got them was the testimony of one of the staffers or one of the team. I'm not sure if he was uh, a trainer or something. I think he was a trainer, was but a, they used his testimony. The, uh, huh? he, was coach. he was assistant coach under Sandusky at the time. Yeah, yes. No, Sandusky was the, the – yeah, he was the assistant he coach was under Sandusky. Sandusky. Right. Yes, Sandusky. yes. Exactly. So that's what I look at as far as a case where you can take, uh, you know, witness testimony and mm-hmm. you can build a strong case from witness testimony with no physical evidence at all. But why? Why not? That, that's my only thing. I hear you, Terry. <laughs> I hear you. But now, out of all these years, this man down there knocking on this Somebody yeah. made him mad. Somebody made somebody made them mad, Sebastian. You know when mad they come, what happened? Mad they come, what happened? And 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 I'ma just just be frank. Mad they come in our community. What the first thing they do? They say somebody's HIV positive, or they post a naked picture of them. You know how mad they is. This is what happens when mad they come. People become totally irrational when mad they come, and they start to do things that normally. Normally, a a, a, a a rational and prudent person wouldn't do. So that's what happened. Someone made them mad, or Bill Cosby must, may have continued some type of affair, some type of something with them, some type of communication with them up into the later years, and now they're mad. I'm, I'm and, telling you, that's the only thing that could and, stop this. And, and I want to say this. I want to point some things out. The, the Andrea um, girl, Andrea Constant, who was a former staffer at the women's basketball yeah. team at Temple University, um, she was one of the only ones, that, which I think probably kind of compelled, you know, um, things to really start, you know, flying off the hinges with the whole Bill, um, Bill Cosby allegations. But she settled out of court. She did a civil suit with him, and they settled out of court. So she got some money from whatever her allegations was, and this was this was a couple of years ago or whatever when when so, this happened. So, so, so. So that goes to that. So that's going to be that a part of that. Now I don't know uh-huh. how that went. I will definitely go and read that after the show. Mm-hmm. But if 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 it, if it's true that there was a settlement outside of court, which you're telling me, then that can be a proof that he that something. That's going to be proof that he did something. That's right. going to be some of the proof right there. They're going to use that. 
Mm-hmm. And I and I will say, speaking on the lines of with Temple University, if people haven't um, realized by now that Bill Cosby did resign from the Temple University Board of yes. Trustees. Um, he said in the statement, which I respect him for what he said, he said, I have always been proud of my association with Temple University. I have always wanted to do what would be in the best interest of the university and its students, and as a result, I have tendered my resignation from the Temple University Board of Trustees. Um, TV Land, everybody knows what TV Land is. TV Land has actually pulled all syndicated repeats of the series The Cosby Show. NBC canceled the new primetime sitcom, which is supposed to be starring Bill Cosby, and Netflix is postponing the debut of this Bill Cosby 77 uh, stand-up special. So um, should we really stop supporting Mr. Cosby for what he's done? This is my question. So should we stop supporting Mr. Cosby for what he's done in the past if he's done that? Kind of goes with the whole Ray Wright. Hell no. And, and then no. now, and it proves to me, that with you guys, we still eat Chick Fil A. We right. gay people still eat exactly. Chick Fil A. So why would we stop supporting him? With, with TV I mean, Land, we still, we still, we still, with, with, we still well, live in a country that was found. And go ahead. No, I just want to say, you know, with with TV Land pulling the Cosby Show and the NBC and, and Netflix and all of that, it really speaks to the fact that you know you're not innocent until you're proven guilty. You're really guilty until guilty until proven innocent. innocent. Yeah, and it's a damn shame. And and I'll tell you, Micah, that's the that's the way that you're that it, it, police training. When we go to the police academy, and 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 and, and they try to sh- they try to put a a blanket over it so it can look right. That they want you to have this mentality. So in the courts, that's the truth that you are innocent until proven guilty. But on the street. When our officers show up, are trained to look at you <laughs> as a guilty man until oh, yeah. you prove to him that you're innocent. Mm-hmm. Now, Ebony, what did you you want to try? What did you want to say, Ebony? I'm sorry. Now, I just said that we all have this false entitlement growing up in society, and we have, and even if they don't say it, we develop a bitterness because there's always somebody to have something that you don't, and when that person has that, we have the tendency to want to strip them of that by whatever means necessary, and we always try to bring this moral code. When we live in a country that was not found on morality, we live in a You're society right. that was that was gotten in a forbidden way, so who are we to condone or judge this man on anything that we have done? We celebrate and do things. And have made and have made things a religious part of our ADLs on a regular on a daily basis, and we don't know in which the intent of which these things were created, you know. So I mean, it's unfair to me for that to take place. I mean, like you said about the Chick Fil A situation, there's a lot of times people their views are not expressed and their mm-hmm. views are not trans down trans down to us. So I mean, it's 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 an unfortunate that that this something like this had happened, but this is really unfolding how people really are, and this is really we all are human. We yeah, all are yeah. human. So yeah. at the end of the day, I don't feel as though that should be done in that manner. But that's just the nature of the beast that we live in. Successful and, people and, are always the target for unsuccessful people. And, and not only successful, like we, we can, we can, and I know that, that I'm going to get a lot of slack for saying this because people are so. Uh, they 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 are so brainwashed that we're in this post-racial, post-segregation world or society that when I say this, people are going to be like, uh, whatever. But I just really believe that race a lot of times plays an issue in this. You have somebody like Don Imus, though he didn't molest anybody, but he said incendiary things that made his his radio show, his producers, 
let him go. And then later, they gave him his radio show back. Mm-hmm. And you and you've seen that countless times with white, you know. Um, Sports figures and and people of that nature who though they have 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 fallen into this uh, status of disgrace that yeah. some kind of way that that the society rounds the corner and then we draw them back into society and let them become once again productive members of society but people like O.J. Simpson who you didn't prove yet. That this man killed his wife and, and ex-wife and, bo- and and her boyfriend, we just shunned him and put him on this 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 exile because of his race. We didn't care anymore, and that, okay, that's that's my whole thing. We we will whole, we will quickly bait white people back in and let them become more the productive members of society. Whole, the problem about the whole situation in that regard is their real this. How many? How many people that we have, like O.J. O.J. Simpson, that were successful? We can name at least 50 of them that are, are Caucasian, but we only name three that are black. And that's why it's such a big old thing, because the three that we have are successful in black are the ones that they hold to higher regard, because those are the ones that have made themselves available to be put on the forefront. Now, they have 50 other Caucasian men that have done the same, but because mm-hmm. there's, a more, there's, there's a larger number of them, we don't have time to really target them or weed out them and what they have done, even with the whole race thing and back into sports. I mean, you have John Roethlisberg, I mean, the quarterback for um, – for, for for Pittsburgh, he raped a woman down ben here. Ben Roethlisberger, right? Ben Roethlisberger, I'm sorry, yeah. John. That's he raped a woman down here in Milledgeville. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And got and, and played the same year. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, so situations like that. Unfortunately, when we are African Americans and we build ourselves up and we elevate to another level, we have to we have to totally align ourselves with that. And it's not, and it's unfortunate. It's we unfortunate that we that we that we have to live out. by their law. We have to live by their standards and their laws. It's, it's, it's oh my god. I wish Cam was which, which which goes back to my point, Micah, and I always tell people this. And then before, and before you, when we before look, you say that, before you say um, what you're going to say, I'm just letting listeners know. Right after Del Rio says that he needs you, what he's going to say, I'm going to go ahead and chime in and, and, and get these two that have these questions, and they're going to take a break. But go ahead, um, Del Rio. No, Mike, Micah, no. I'm, let's go to the listeners. They're the most important thing right now. Okay, let's go to <laughs> okay so I'm going, to go to, I'm, going, I'm going to go to the 504 first since, the, uh, since they have the question first. Um, Five Yes, it may be in reference to Bill Cosby. It may be in reference reference to um, Ray Rice. But um, give us one second. Hold on. All right, caller, you are now on the line with the talk with Mike and friends. If you can, please provide us your name, your location, and your comment and question, please. My name is Ricky, and I'm in New Orleans. And I have more. All right, more, hi, but... Ricky. What's up, Rick? What's up? How you doing, Ebony? Yeah. Hey, Ebony, well, how talking. are you? You know what this is, right? What about that? You'll find out. But um, yeah, I do. I, I kind of want. Okay, I kind of want to comment on both if I can. The Ray Rice okay, and the uh, Bill Cosby. I'll touch on the Bill mm-hmm. Cosby real quick. Um, you, you, I believe it was to, was Sebastian. He asked, "Why now?" I think. Right. Um, first of all, I, I, I do want to say that I believe one hundred percent that Bill Cosby is guilty. I believe he, he did it, and I believe that whoever he worked for during that time, they helped him cover it up. They helped him keep out of it, keep it out of the media. You have to one consider the time 
in which this happened. This, this, the first accusation started in, in a, maybe somewhere in the mid-1980s. During this time, and you had to consider where it happened in Hollywood. Hollywood. This thing, this is part of the norm in Hollywood. But the, the, the reason why it's coming to light now is Bill Cosby, whoever he has, although he has been successful, he's made a lot of money, he, he has always worked for some company. And by him, and, and whatever company that he's worked for, he has has maintained a long-standing contract. Within those contracts, I'm sure there are certain clauses that may say something like, "If you ever, if you were to ever do anything to tarnish your image or to tarnish the image of the um, company, you you forfeit certain parts of your uh, clause. Maybe your role." You have to pay back some money. So I, I think when we're asking these questions and we're coming up, but why why do you think that happening? We have to think about it critically, and then answer in that aspect. Kind of kind of put your opinion. Just put it's good to have your opinion, but kind of couple your opinion with some facts and some critical thinking, so you can really truly analyze these situations and and, and truly figure out what may be going on. And what I what I truly believe is what's going on is that someone is is trying to destroy Bill Cosby's, Cosby's image. You know, I believe he did it. He did it. It's coming right now because they want to destroy his, destroy his image and take back some of that success. Partly because he's black, he's old, and maybe. And within a couple of years now, maybe he's he's going to die. You can't. We don't have any too many black greats in our generation that die and that die just a black great. Either they they always die of some overdose. Whitney Houston. Um, a lot of people they they die and and it is it's completely tarnished, and it's tarnished and mm-hmm. it happens that way for a reason. But and also just to kind of flip. To go to the, the Ray Rice thing. Ray Rice, um, uh-huh. yes. I want to say, if I was the editor in chief, I would, I would have aired the video because, simply because I know that's my job to sensationalize every story, especially when it has to do with a, a, a black person. You have to sensationalize it to to continue to oppress and demonize the black community and make the black man look out to be this image that was thug, there's no good, he's never going to be no good, and, and to continue to vilify us in, in, in the media. But, and also, and with, with, with the incidents between them two, we have to each remember that we're not all the same. We're all individuals, and individually, yeah. individually we handle things differently. Now, there have been some, a lot of comments made about whether or not that she stayed, because maybe because but because of the lifestyle, the man that take, mm-hmm. hit national news. If she if it was all about money for her, she could have walked straight to the bank, and and, and got rid of it right then. I applaud her to me personally for sticking by her husband and standing by him. Whether it, whether it happened one time or happened two times, no one really knows. But Ray Rice and his wife, and if she has decided okay, to forgive so, so, him, so let me stop. Let me stop you there. Ricky, because if she, so you, so I, I get the whole sticking by your man and your wife and all that. I surely get that. But are we to say if this man has hit you fifteen damn times, you know, let's be let's be realistic. Not one or two. Let's say fifteen. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I'm just a woman that's in that situation. Oh, stick by your husband because he make a lot of money. Even though he hit Look. you fifteen times, if it's yeah, I mean that that's not, I would never condone that. 
Girl, that's some anime kind of that's, shit, baby. That's, that's I'm not, sorry. That whole thing like, honey, anime, he a good man, he a good man. Wait, hold on. Let, let, let me finish. Give, give me, give me. That's why I say every individual handles things differently. We can't expect for someone else to handle the situation the way that we would. And because they don't handle that situation the way that we would, we can't build by them and judge them and, and, and then expect for people to look at us with embrace their own. We have to accept and understand where other people come from, regardless of if we think they're stupid or fools or not. Mm-hmm. If she had chosen to stay by him for whatever reason, that's, that's her choice to make. That's her right to make. Mm-hmm. She shouldn't Most be definitely. looked at mm-hmm. any differently because of that. People applauded Bill Clinton. He had one die as, as one of the greatest presidents on the face of the planet. They applauded Hillary, that white woman, for standing by her husband after he was accused. Uh-huh. But there's a difference. You know, there's a difference. No, no, no. Okay, hold on. Let, I'm going to let Sebastian speak, and then Richard, we're going to have to wrap it up. Go ahead, Sebastian. Uh-uh, uh-uh, girlfriend, sister girl. No, not girlfriend. There's a no, 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 Sebastian. I was born a man now. I was born a man. I was born a man. Oh, okay, man. That's a child, brother, whatever. There's a difference. Bill Clinton was getting his dick sucked. Bill Clinton was getting his dick sucked up under the goddamn desk. He did not kill him no more. He did slap that bitch across the room. Anyway, this hole with all of his ancestry and lineage of a thousand slaves, honey. There is a motherfucking difference. Okay, Sebastian. Okay, Sebastian. Okay, Ricky, go ahead and pick. Okay, Ricky, go ahead and finish your comment, and then we're going to wrap it up it so we can is, take a break. It's the same thing. It is it is a betrayal. See how see how defensive he just got when I mentioned Bill Clinton and, and what he did compared to what, what Ray Rice did. You know, I, where I was going with it, I was going with it. Hillary mm-hmm. chose to do, even though a lot of people thought Hillary should have left him, but Hillary didn't get disrespected. Mm-hmm. She didn't get vilified right. the way this black woman got vilified for saying by her saying by her man. Whether whether if he mm-hmm. hit her one time or fifteen times, that's her choice. That's her right. If she wants to stay in whatever kind of situation that she's in, that's her business. Like he said in the beginning, it's his business. Why should it concern him? It's their business. Leave it alone. If it didn't if that if it didn't affect his performance on that field. In my opinion, mm-hmm. even though I, I believe he should not, he should have never hit her. In my opinion, right. he should he, he should have paid for it, but he shouldn't pay for it with his job. That, that's his livelihood. That's how he provides for his for his family. That's how he. Right. That's, that's, that's I how agree he with you, Ricky. That's why I said it should only been taken off on four channels. And, and I want to say, I, and, and hold on, we got to we got to wrap because we got you know we got to wrap. Question one again. But 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 I but I want to thank you so much, Richie, um, for calling. I definitely appreciate it. And um, uh, everybody, hold the line because we got another caller on the line waiting for yeah, us. I um, Sebastian. <laughs> okay, um, four zero four. The last number. The last four digits is six zero one six. Four zero four is the area code. Last four. The telephone number is six zero one six. All right. Hi. Um, you are now on the line with the talk with Micah and friends. Please state your name, your location, and your comment or question, please. Um, this is Trinity. I'm in Alabama. How are y'all? Hi, Trinity. Shavanya. Hi, Trinity. How are you? What's going on? Great. I'm good. Let's y'all sound so good tonight. I just want to talk about Bill. Y'all know I've been following this story from day one. And y'all asked the question, why now? I believe why now? Because the money has ran out. I believe that he, you, you know, was it, was it was all consensual from every party. And he was paying tuition. Some of these women were noted prostitutes. These women were drug addicts. These women were out to mm-hmm. get money. 
They saw the Pudding Pop Man. They saw Dr. Huxtable. They saw Ghost Dad. They saw this rich, powerful man who was having affairs on his wife, and they knew they could get money out of him. So what has happened now, the money has ran out. So they are just trying to do what they can to get money out of him, and this is what's happening. This is how they are. So, Trey, do you think do you think all of those ladies, even the lady that's married to um, to Incredible Hulk, you think she still wants some money? I'm sure she do. What is it? He ain't doing nothing It's proven fact that his manager was sending these women uh, these monies oh. out every month. Two thousand dollars here, five thousand here. He was past college tuition. Now, Jenna Dixon, you are a drug addict. Known that, so he gave you a pill. Girl, right. you've been taking pills. Right. You've been taking pills. What? They want some now. So now y'all want to come out now and promise this man's legacy. And it's, it's just oh. not. Can I, can I not say something to respond to that? Go ahead, and then we'll go to break. Okay. Right. I, I'm going I'm, I'm to say this, and once again, I'm going to come from a, a, a law enforcement standpoint. Mm-hmm. No one, no one, Sebastian <laughs> Hushing, no one, no one in 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 any circumstance, and 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 I've said this several times, and if anyone watched the first forty-eight, you've heard this said before. Even if you have a drug dealer out on the street pushing drugs, and he may be, you know, what the old folks call a gangbanger, OG, whatever you want to call him. No one deserves to lose their life. I know people believe this, you know, you live by the sword, you die by the sword and all that stuff, but nobody deserves that. And I and I apply that same standard to this. Even if a person is a prostitute, they're doing what they do for money consensually. When someone drugs you and they they rape you, because that's what it is, and, and this is my perspective from a police officer looking at this. When someone drugs you, and they they rate and have sex with you. That is not consensual. It can't be consensual if drugs are involved at the mm-hmm. at the at the end of it. So with some of those cases, but, Trinity, but, I totally but, agree with you. But in those cases where we drugs were involved, I I just can't agree. But no, no, but you just but you just made a point. Drugs are being involved. Drugs more consensual though. You're dealing with, like you said, is that day and age, like the last caller just said, this is the 80s. So that day and age, this is the, drugs were very prominent back then. And you have a man who is on top of the world, so you mean to tell me you're not going to tell the pudding pop man to rape you? So, girl, come on now. Really? Look at <laughs> you say Thank you so Thank you so much, Trey. I'm so glad oh, you finally called you and, and, pre- and press one. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, can uh, I say one thing? Okay. Uh, Mike, it, it, real it, it, quick. It's all I'm going to say. Really quickly. Yes, yes. Go ahead. Hurry up. Real quick. Real quick. Bear, you hush, I say it. Well, hurry um, up. No. Okay, girl. Okay, first off, I, I appreciate the nails you put in pop, man. That made my day. The, uh, one issue I had with this is not that this issue is fucking up Bill's money. It's fucking up everybody else. Yes, it is. Cause you know these kids, Theo, Vanessa, Rui, uh, 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 Clark, Elizabeth Huxtable, they all get money from syndication. So now that they pulled it from TV land, which played it damn near every day, 24 hours, you fucking up not just Bill money, you fucking up everybody else money. And that's why I don't think they should have pulled it just yet. 
Me neither. That's why I mean, I'm glad I got it all on my all, all, all on my digital hard drive when I downloaded her. But on the same token, if I was Felicia, if I was Phil, if I was one of them bitches, I'd be pissed the fuck off right now because you know none of them hoes ain't doing nothing but kissing night pooing right now, honey. And so they need every check that they can motherfucking get. So that would be my issue. All right. Thank you so much, Sebastian. Um, you brought up a, a great point. You guys just hold the line for me really quickly. We're going to go take a quick break, and we'll be right back because we have a lot more to discuss. Hold on one second. Hi, it's Chris McKinley, and welcome to Grand, Gorgeous, and Gag. So we all have that makeup kit filled with all our favorite products and some things that we just don't want to get rid of. But I want to give you just a general rule of thumb as to when makeup expires. As we all know, most of our makeup products are oil-based, and anything that's oil-based will eventually go rancid. Let's start with mascara, which is typically good for three to four months, eyeshadows, 12 to 18 months, nail polish, two years, lipsticks, 12 to 18 months, foundations, six to 12 months, and pencils, 18 to 24 months. Hopefully this helps you guys out and help you clear out some of that junk in your kit. Well, keep up with me at stylesheet.com forward slash pleasure paint. In America, no one needs to die of AIDS, yet still too many of our brothers are dying. Because of stigma and fear, we need to speak up with our partners, our families, and our friends about how HIV and AIDS is a real issue in our community. I'm Jesse Smollett. I'm Blake Youngfountain. I'm Anthony Burrell. We are greater than AIDS. Join the movement. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to The Talk with Micah. And this is your girl, T.S. Madison. Yes, God, honey, Miss Nui, 22 inches herself. Remember, ladies, if you ain't rocking 22 inches or better, bitch, you're practically bald. All right, and we are back. Thank you so very much, Chris McKinley. Um, you can visit him at stylesheet.com forward slash pleasure paint. Thank you so very much to Grady the AIDS campaign and T.S. Madison, my girl. Now, we're going to go on to Ferguson. I don't know how long this is going to last, but we have about 40 minutes left. Um, so let's go ahead and talk about Michael Brown. Michael Brown, who was an unarmed black teenager who was shot dead. We actually spoke about We started the conversation on the very first town hall meeting back in September. But Michael Brown, an unarmed black teenager, was shot dead on August 9th by Darren Wilson, a police officer, who has since resigned um, since the last time that we talked. Um, some witnesses say the teenager assaulted the officer and tried to grab his gun. Other witnesses say Wilson was the aggressor. Um, all accounts agree that Brown ran and then turned back. But the question is, did he turn back to attack or to surrender? That is the question. Now, what I want to do really quickly is I want to read to the panel and my listening audience a breakdown of the timeline of events um, from Mike Brown's friend who was with him, and uh, or his friend that was with him, and Darren Wilson, his account of the situation, as well as a family friend um, of that particular day. And afterwards, we're going to discuss on, you know, how we feel, is it true, possible lie. And audience members, again, you can chime in as well. And, and when I'm finished, but I would love to hear from all of you as well. So let me read this. It shouldn't take long, but let me read um, what they say happened, if I think I still have it. <clears throat> if I don't, honey, it's, um, let's see. Well, I, I'll say this because I don't know if I have it or not. But um, did any, well, I asked Del Rio, Del Rio, did you read um, the account while I'm pulling up. Did you read the the because uh, there was a twofold to it. It was on one side the article said it was the the guy who was with 
Mike Brown, Big Mike as they called him. It was his friend that was always coming whatever. And then the other one was basically what um, what Darren Wilson, the officer Darren Wilson, and his one of his family friends um, said. So did you did you ever read that? And, and I didn't read it. Did read the article. You said you I did. did. I didn't read the article. I didn't read the article. I I I I, I did hear the friend who was with Mike Brown. His uh his side of the story, and then the uh, I read an article about the utility worker who actually got the video of it, but he was about seventy five. Well, he his testimony changed. First, he was about right. fifty feet away, and then he was a hundred feet away. So I I just you know, but I read both of those accounts though. Okay, so so I, I found it. So um really quickly, what what witnesses say? Dorian Johnson was the guy that was with him. Um, Dorian Johnson and Michael Brown go to Ferguson Market in Lakeford. This is about 11.51. Um, surveillance video captures a man pushing a clerk before walking out of the store with a box of cigarillos. Um, he said, my client, um, the, the attorney, uh, Dorian's uh, uh, attorney said, my client, Dorian Johnson, um, told the investigators about the situation involving Big Mike taking the cigarillos. Um, this is not a theft. It's more of a, sh- a shoplifting situation. Okay, so Brown 18 and Johnson 22 are walking in the middle of the street, heading um, toward uh, Johnson's house. When a Ferguson police officer confronts them, the officer tells the young men, either get the fuck on the sidewalk or get the fuck out the street, according to Johnson's accounts to CNN and other news outlets. The young men reply that they are not but a minute away from their destination and will be shortly out of the street. Okay, so here's what it said the tussle in the first shot. The officer drives away but then he puts the car in reverse and backs up rapidly. The car slants, almost hitting Johnson and Brown. Um, Johnson says we were so close, about inches away, when he tried to open his door aggressively, the door ricocheted both off me and Big Mike's body and closed back on the officer. Still in the car, the officer grabs Brown by the neck. Brown tries to pull away, but the officer keeps pulling Brown toward him. And then Johnson says, my friend Big Mike was um, very angrily is trying to pull away from the officer. The officer then draws his weapon. He says, I'll shoot or I'm about to shoot. I'm standing so close to Big Mike and the officer, I look, um, I look in his window and I see that he has a gun pointed at the both of us. And when he fires his weapon, I move seconds before he pulled the trigger. The trigger. I saw the fire come out of the barrel and, uh, and instantly knew it was a gun. I looked at my friend Big Mike and saw that he was struck in the chest or the upper region because I saw blood splatter down his side. And Johnson said, at no point in time did they struggle over the weapon because the weapon was already drawn on us. And then Bosley says Brown still has the, um, the cigarettes uh, taken from the store in his hand, so he was trying to maneuver himself from the officer. Tiffany Milch- Mitchell, who was picking up a cockley to go to work, said she, saw that stuff. she said she saw some of the conversation. Wilson and Brown were tussling through the window. It looked, it looked as if the kid was pulling away and the officer was pulling him in. A shot was fired through the window. And then it says, um, the, the last part of it says, Brown runs and turns. Johnson and a bloody Brown take our running. Johnson hides behind the first car he sees, according to Johnson's account. The officer, gets, the officer gets out of his car. He said, I saw the officer proceeding after my friend Big Mike with his gun drawn, and he fired a second shot, and that struck my friend Big Mike. At that time, And at that time, he turned around with his hands up beginning to tell the officer that he was unarmed and to tell him to stop shooting. But at that time, the officer fired several more shots into my friend, and he hit the ground and died. Okay, so basically that's pretty much what, um, for the most part, that, that's what the friend says. 
Now, really quickly, what law officials and Wilson family friends say, they said Officer Wilson responds to a call of a sick person. Remember you said that, um, Del Rio, in the first, the first show we had? Yes. Because I listened to it exactly. earlier today. Um, you said he responds to a call of a sick person. He said someone at the Ferguson Market and Liquor, um, this is at 11.51, someone at Ferguson Market and Liquor, a convenience store, um, called uh, the next minute gives, the special gives a description of a suspect over the radio. A different officer arrives at the store where the alleged strong arm robbery occurred. The dispatcher relays information from a witness that the suspect is walking toward the quick trip. Okay, so Wilson leaves the scene of the sick call and encounters Michael Brown and Dorian Johnson on Canfield Drive. Josie, a purported friend of the family, relays that she says Wilson's significant other told her about what she said happened next, what he said happened next. The account matches what Wilson had told investigators. Josie said they were walking in the middle of the street. He rolled down the window. He rolled the window down and said, Come on, guys, get out of the street. They refused to and were yelling back, saying we're almost where we're going, and there was some cussing involved. First, the police chief, Thomas Jackson, said Wilson approached Brown because he was walking down the middle of the street, which is blocking the traffic. So here's what it said the tussle of the first shot happened. So he goes in reverse, back to them. He tries to get out of the car. They slammed his door shut violently. I think he said Michael Brown did. Then he opens his car open. He opens his car again and tries to get out, and he stands up. Michael just bum-rushes him and just shoves him back into the car, punches him in the face, and then, of course, Darren grabs for the gun, and Michael grabs the gun. At one point, he's got the gun totally against his hip, and then he shoves it away, and the gun goes off. Um, and then it says Wilson tries to exit the vehicle, but Brown pushes him back in the car, and it said Brown physically assaults the police officer, and there's a struggle over the, uh, over the officer's gun. A shot is fired inside of the police, uh, inside of the police car. Brown's wound included a shot to his hand from close range, the official autopsy found. According to a, a, a report in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch newspaper, the source of which was confirmed as genuine to CNN, Brown's blood was found on Wilson's uniform and inside the police car. At least one of the wounds and the blood could be consistent with the struggle at the car. And then he said Michael takes off with his friend. They get to about 35 feet away. And, of course, the protocol is to pursue. So I'm sure they'll real talk about that. But the protocol is to pursue. So he stands up and yells, freeze. Michael and his friends turn around, and Michael starts taunting him. Oh, what you going to do about it? You going to shoot me? And then he said all of a sudden, Michael just started to bum rush him. He just started coming at him full speed. So Wilson started shooting, so he just kept coming. So Wilson really thinks that Brown was on something because he just kept coming. It was unbelievable. And then so, he, um, and then so finally he ended up, the final shot was in his forehead, he fell about um, two or three feet in front of the officer, um, and that's pretty much um, what 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 accounted. Now I'm reading the I'm I'm as I'm reading I'm saying like now I can't believe that this six five boy two hundred whatever pounds after has been shot in the damn hand is going to say thirty five feet away. What you going to do now? You going to shoot me? Um, did he already shoot you in the hand? So I don't even right. get that whole. That thing, but what do you what do you guys um, tell me about what you think about the indictment? You know, as far I mean, well, not the indictment, but you know, as far as the the, the lack thereof. Yeah, the the decision on to whether to indict Darren Wilson or not. Um, just the whole the, the whole situation that has happened since you know since August. You know, what are your thoughts on that? And and what I just read, Ebony. <laughs> huh? Oh, you have anything? <laughs> 
I said, do you have anything anything you want to say about the Ferguson situ- situation and what I just read in regards to the different situations or scenarios that supposed to happen? I mean, I, I mean my, I, uh, my heart goes out to that, um, but I'll wait till later point to bring out my areas of frustration. Okay. Was, I mean, it has a lot to do with that, it, but it's not. It's more about the um, the aftermath that I really want to discuss. And okay. Okay. Somebody else. So. Sebastian, would you like to go or you, or you want me to go first? You well, go first. Somebody needs to go in 30 minutes. So, so, so my, my whole issue with this whole situation and uh, from the, the, one of the biggest things that police officers has is a weapon uh, that's uh, more important than a gun, that's more important than any of the weapon on their, their duty rigs, is the ability to articulate. And me being a former police officer, I know what we can do. You can articulate your way out of anything. And I'm telling you because we're trained to do it. You're trained to write a report in a way that you knew you didn't have probable cause to stop someone and search them. So what you did was you articulated your probable cause because you know more than likely this person that you're arresting has has no uh, resources for uh, any type of legal representation. So we go ahead on and we violate this person's right, and you know we 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 pr- proceed forward because we know this can be an open and shut case. In this case here, I think it was some of that involved. Uh, a lot of the wording that. Uh, went into this report, uh, it, it, it's familiar to me because it's words that either I've used before or that I've seen in reports uh, where the all of the elements for actually affecting an arrest or affecting a search or affecting some type of interaction with a person, even if it's for a field, um, a field interview, th- those elements are not there. But what you do is you articulate it on paper so that the elements can be there because it would be believable in court. And so, so, police officers, think, so police officers are basically fouled. Most, not all of them. Police officers lie. Police officers lie. Okay. I'll just okay. be blunt about it. Police officers okay. lie. I will warn everybody to be very careful. Ca- carry as many recording devices yes, and everything God. as you can. When you're being stopped in the daytime or the nighttime, turn on your dome lights, put your hands out of the window, make sure you don't flinch, don't budge, don't do anything. I know it sounds trivial, but it's important in the, the time that we live right now. But I, a lot of my issues uh, was with the way that the, the, the case went out. First of all, uh, it is believable to me that a police officer saw two guys in the middle of the street, because black police officers, I've done it before, two guys walking in the middle of the street, and because you profiled them immediately or you thought you were going to get something on them, you go ahead and you do something to incite them. So you mm-hmm. say something like, get your motherfucking asses out of the street, provoke or something them. like that, because you know that's going to provoke them to say something back, and the moment they say something back, you immediately got some type of charge that you right. can put on them that's so right. you can do whatever else you were ultimately trying to do. I'm telling mm-hmm. you this because I, I, I regret it. I've repented about this so many times because I found myself in this situation doing stuff like this before when I was a, when I was a rookie cop, when I first went there. 
I found myself doing stuff like that, and that's why I know. And and, and second of all, one, one of the biggest issues is an officer has this uh, this this space around him that's called, and we all have this, but we we talk about it in the police academy, your personal space, mm-hmm. and. Whenever you allow somebody to get, my whole thing is this: when you back a car up as a police officer, the first thing you do is slant a car. You don't drive a car, and especially your door, if you've already had a verbal confrontation with a subject. At that point, he wasn't a suspect, but a subject. You don't have a verbal com- confrontation with a subject uh, who is at your door. You have to slant your car. There's there's certain there's so many policies and procedures that was violated in in that whole approach to that situation that I don't see why you know he wasn't fired before they allowed him to resign. The police department just botched this whole situation, and then on to the the grand jury. I mean that was basically botched because you had a prosecutor who refused to present the evidence in the way a prosecuting attorney was supposed to present the evidence. He decided to side with the police, which right. prosecutors usually do. Right. So he was And that has been a problem in both cases with that entry on the prosecutor, to me, did not do their jobs to me, honestly, mm-hmm. in my right. opinion. Because there was so right. much evidence and so many directions they could have took to find a guilty verdict, and it was not rendered. Well, so at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the 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 standard for indictment in a grand jury is is not the same standard you're using in an actual uh, jury trial. Right. So it is so it is not. I'm not going to say it's so much lower, but it is lower than the standard that you would use in a jury trial. So my whole thing is this: when 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 evidence is you know presented, it, it was just that the the the, the prosecutor. Uh, had other interests, you know, uh, involved in this situation. Uh, when when the evidence was presented, you know, there were it, the, the facts are coming out now that there was a law that had been abolished since 1984 in the state of Missouri that the the assistant prosecutor who handles most of the 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 paperwork and the legwork for these cases, the assistant prosecutor usually tries these cases. The assistant prosecutor presented a law about self-defense to the grand jury, and that law had expired in 1984. So all of this is coming out now, but he, you, 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 can't, you, you can't put a man in a situation where he's receiving double jeopardy. So there's ne- never going to be another criminal Grand jury. Well, they can't convene a grand jury again. They can do that. But if, if had you gone to trial, there would never be another criminal trial. But there were there were so many botched issues in this whole thing. Even the rollout of the, making the announcement. Uh, yeah. My thing is this: you know, black folk mad already. Mm-hmm. You know how we feel, and tensions are flaring. And you know what has happened in the previous month. At what time of day all of this stuff has happened? And you wait until eight o'clock at night yeah. to release a, a, a statement about this, knowing that this was going to incite black folks. Because what 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 they what, what, what their their ultimate agenda was was to use the subsequent rioting and violence that they knew was coming 
mm-hmm. that in my, in my heart of hearts I don't agree with, but I feel in some way some of it was justified. I'm just being totally honest. But my whole my issue with with the black folk is don't tear your community up where you're going to have to go back and shop and live and 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 and, and, and you know inhabit. Don't tear your own community up. So that was my only issue with it, but I feel like some of their actions were justified because it was anger, and it was anger that that was seeded and and rooted in years and years of abuse by police. Police officers abuse people every day, and police officers can do it because they have the power of the pen. And, and we because don't for one, we have not we taken time. Right. No, because we have not taken time to educate ourselves, which is the main right. problem why right. a lot of that exists. You know, they know that we have the lack of education on how to defend yourself. There are certain there are certain steps and certain procedures that you have to arm yourself against law enforcement. But the average person, if they have not taken time to educate themselves, don't know that. A police officer stops you in a car going on the interstate, and he wants to search your car because you're wearing a, 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 a your your ball cap is backwards, or because you have dreads, or because you may have a white tee. We call it the uniform of the day: a white tee and some blue jeans. So what he does, he stops your car and he search. And because you don't know your rights, that this officer has to have probable cause to go in your car and search it. You allow him to search it. Yeah, sure, you may have a bag of weed or two or whatever in there. That's your own personal business. But because you allowed him to search it and you didn't educate yourself and didn't know your rights, now you have a weed charge on you. Everybody has to educate themselves on these laws. If you don't educate yourself, I promise you, the police will articulate you into a situation where you not only lose your your, your job, your rights, you lose your livelihood, you lose your your right to vote, and everything else that comes with it, your status, and, 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 you know, everything. And and your life. I would say say this, and I'm going to let Ebony talk about that, the aftermath that she, um, you know, she didn't necessarily agree with, but, you know, speaking speaking, um, to what the the real said in regards to, you know, videotaping and things of that nature, and you brought that up a little earlier, too, um, I was watching, I watched The View every day, so I had to make sure I got my, my, my daily dosage, as I do um, before the show, and I saw where um, there was a guy, I don't even know where he was, but um, it, it was kind of it was kind of cool, but what happened was this was a, a local pizza parlor, or whatever that's out in his area. He passes it all, you know, all the time. So he was walking by. He had his hoodie on, I think it was, and of course, you know, it's cold out, so he had his. Of course, you, everybody walks with their their hands in their hoodie. I mean, you know, if they have like pockets or whatever, so a sweater or whatever it was. And so he's walking or whatever, and then basically the call said the person who called the the nine one one operator says, "Oh, there's this guy, strange guy outside, and he's walked past." The, the store about five or six times and um and he's looking in the way he's looking in, in into the store and I feel it's kind of weird I need somebody out here whatever the case may be and so when the officer came out and confronted the guy you know he came out he was like you know officer what's what's up and he was like well you know they say in this store you know and they had this and the other and he was like I I visit that store often I I actually order you know I think he said maybe every week or whatever he orders there a lot he's a he's a freaking custom so he was kind of outraged that this this store has now said oh this is a um, a stranger passing or whatever he was like but at the end of the day I didn't pass there five or six times I visit there often or whatever case me well what I found that was so um, not it was it was good it was a good gesture and I like what happened was that the guy pulled out his camera or whatever and he was videoing it or whatever, videoing mm-hmm. him talking to the officer. And the officer had his 
phone. And it was basically video. So you, the, what they had was they had the, the video split screen where you're showing the, the officer's video as well as the guy's video or whatever. And then he was like, well, man, I don't know. If it's everything that's going on, you know what I'm saying, I'm going to video and I, you know, I got to make sure. He was like, but it's kind of sad that, you know, I'm walking here and they think that I'm somebody that I'm not or whatever. And so the end, the end, at the end, the officer, they kind of gave each other high fives and stuff like that. But um, from that, you know, uh, when we go over, they talked about how Obama had just approved um, for 50,000 police officers to be able to get the uniforms that um, have the, the body cameras on them or whatever. It's um, actually course, actually 600, 632 police officers, but it's only going to be 50,000 uh, body cameras. Okay. So, yeah, but but it was approved. Yeah. So I, I, thought, I thought that that was um, needed. I mean, you know, they have the dash cams, but I, I believe they turn their shit off when they feel like it. You know what I'm saying? If they know something. Well, something in New Orleans... In New Orleans, we have bot- they have body cams here now, and the officers have to wear them, and it's a part of their uniform, and the sergeants are required to go and make scenes and make sure that these, these body cameras on, like, they get suspended when they don't turn those body cameras on. Like, okay. they hold their feet to the fire, but another thing is we have a federal monitor here, so the U.S. Department of Justice is monitoring our police department and our sheriff's department here, so our our you know, risk of having these type of civil rights violations by the police is very low in our city. Now, Ebony, what did you want to talk about in regards to the aftermath of it? What were you displeased with? <laughs> um, not really displeased, but um, a lot of people talking about, um, I'm an advocate. Anybody that knows me know that I'm an advocate for my rights, and not just my rights, but the rights of other people who have to live in the community that I live in. Um, I believe I would do justice in our social service is to be a part of any solution to a problem that you think exists. So, I mean, I, I support um, any organizations or people that stand behind whatever they believe. Um, to me, what was the problem for me about the whole situation was we knew that it was going to be some type of drama, Oh yeah, some, some type of conflict of interest with the once once the jury came back with their decision, um, and I feel as though the planning should have started back then. Um, at the end of the day, corporate America they know they don't care about um, rioting because we're hurting ourselves. We're not hurting our community anymore. It's not like we're in the seventies or the sixties where we have our own community business where we can find refuge in and find the things that we need. Because even after we get through protesting, we're going to be hungry. So we're going to mm-hmm. go to the nearest Walmart. We're going to go to the corner store that's now owned by the Chinese Americans that once were owned by our people. But because we refuse to support each other, we no longer mm-hmm. have bringing that change. We're no longer generating that income in our own economy because we don't even have those black-owned businesses anymore. So they're not trying to hear anything that we're saying. We're protesting and we're marching there in their high-rise buildings on the 15th floor, and none of the decisions that we are out there doing right now, they're not hearing because they're not impacted by us anymore financially. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my friends call me, sir, are you going to come protest? Are you going to come march? I do this for a living, so it's not like I didn't wait for this cause to actually get my voice. Right. I was speaking my point way before this happened. So a lot of times people are now stepping up and want to, want to march and protest. I believe the most powerful weapon that we have is education. And I That's think right. we should educate ourselves on the life that we live every day, whether you be transgendered, whether you be gay, whether you be black, 
or whether you be um whether you be another minority. We have to educate ourselves so that we can be more successful in life and be accounted for in the community. And like I said, with the whole protesting and all, I think it's okay. It's wonderful to, for the people to do that are not involved. But people that are involved in the community use this as a platform and use the awareness that came from this to elevate ourselves in a solution. I, unfortunately, Michael Brown had to die, but I think it would be a travesty if this child life was in vain. It's and in I vain really believe right. that we should now target the police department. I think that one police officer, I'm glad they did not find him guilty because it would only cover up the mass destruction that's done in that police department. So now I think things should be taken to another level. And the whole police department, which has been proven to be corrupt throughout time, needs to be uncovered. Because I believe if that one officer would have been found guilty, they wouldn't do a whole extensive search on the whole police department. So now they have to resort to doing that. And that's when I think the real justice is going to be done. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Michael Brown definitely cannot um, cannot die in vain. Um, what what do you um, what do you guys think about um, the fact that? And, I, and I'll leave it. Since Sebastian's been quiet, I want to hear I want to hear him. But um, recently, what was the St. Louis Rams? You know, like five of their players came out um, in the very beginning of the game, I believe, and came out with their hands up and this and other and um, in salute and paying homage to Mike Brown in the Ferguson situation. And, um, you know, a lot, a lot of them got slashed for it. They say that, you know, people are saying, oh, it's a disrespect to the police officers and this, that, and the other. So, um, and they, from what I understand, they're, they're not apologizing. And I don't believe that they should apologize. You know, that was that was their salute. That was their thing. You know, it wasn't necessarily a disrespect to police officers. Uh, if anything, it was a disrespect to the police officers that are bad. You know what I'm saying? If that's if that's the case, but um, Sebastian, what, what do you think about the whole you know the whole situation and inclusive to the um, the St. Louis Rams and their salute to Mike Brown in the Ferguson situation? My thing is this, honey: a hit dog will always holler. In the words of Nene, or my grandma say, "Honey, what you do in the dog will come to the light." Mm-hmm. My thing is this. I salute them. There's nothing different than what they did at that game than what the um than what the track the track stars did in the nineteen seventy six, I think that was, seventy six, seventy four Olympics, when they were on the podium and they raised their hand in black power. Oh yeah. There's no different. Mm-hmm. They have their feelings, they have their way of which they want to express themselves. So if they want to come out with their hands up, that is their right, that is their opinion. Now for them to get flat I wouldn't apologize for a motherfucking thing. Right. Not at all. I came out on this field, I played your motherfucking game, I made my coins, and I went home. Now, in the midst of that, if I wanted to voice my my, my aggravation or my, my political disdain with me by raising my hands, bitch, your biggest issue is not me raising my hand, it's what I'm going to do after I get out of here with the money and the power that I do have. That would be your issue. But me walking out with my hands raised, it ain't doing nothing uh, to, to hurt y'all. So you know what I'm saying? I'm like this. I ain't apologize for nothing, but like the Rio, like Ebony said, it might sound wrong, but bitch, go fuck up Macy's. Go fuck up Saks of Fifth Avenue. Go fuck up uh, uh, Bloomingdale's. Because when you fuck up they shit, then the white folks, well, why they coming here messing up our shit? Well, bitch, because you messed up our shit. So if you, one, my thing is one good turn deserves a motherfucking other. That that's just me. Right or wrong, indifferent, how you feel about it, I'm gonna go fuck up your shit. I ain't gonna fuck up the the, the, the corner store. That's why I get my discount right. via my discount blood. Right, right. I ain't gonna do 
Springs. I'm going to go over to the white, you know, Atlanta got Lennox Mall and Piedmont. I'm up here in New York, we got literally the Saks on Fifth Avenue. Y'all out there in Texas and Houston got the Galleria. Y'all in Miami got South Beach and Aventura Mall. Bitch, I'm going to go. I'm not going to go to the swap meet and tear up my shit, honey. No, that's how I got my pocketbook. I'm going to go to your shit, honey, and run through and tear all y'all shit, honey. And I'm going to say this Mike Brown. This is for Trayvon Martin. This is for Emmett Till. This is for MLK. This is for Malcolm X. And when, you, when they, see, the thing about it is they ain't got tied yet. The white yeah. folks, we tied. We tied. The white folks ain't, and I know I got a lot of white friends, some of y'all white folks in Pattentry and all that, girl. I'm not racist, but y'all bitches ain't tied yet. Y'all ain't tired. When y'all hoes get tired, as I say, you tired of being sick and tired. Once them bitches get tired of being sick and tired, then you'll see some real motherfucking change. So from now on, I'm going to tear up all y'all motherfucking shit. And I'll say, too, um, to, to kind of wrap this up so we can uh, I should speak on something really quickly before we end, um, is that um, one thing in regards to the Ferguson, um, just, just like what Ebony said in regards to, you know, even if you're just joining in the fight and you're protesting, protesting and things of that nature, um, continue to do that. Um, I have one of my, I call him my, my little brother, he graduated a year after I did in high school, but um, I know he went from South Carolina or North Carolina where he lives now, and he went to St. Louis when they had the Ferguson thing. But he went, you know, went to the police department. He did a, a lot of things that were positive, and it wasn't to go loot and things of that nature. Um, so I applaud people that are doing that. And as Evan said, when you start, you know, of course start it, but don't start it. Don't don't just do it for this cause. Continue to fight and continue to protest, but fight in in the right manner and not the wrong. Uh, another thing is that I, the people that are, you know, I think Nelly said it said it before, and a couple other celebrities from from St. Louis and um, Andy Cohen said it. You know, is that people from outside that don't even live in the area, you know, um, don't even live in St. Louis are coming in, but they're the ones that are that are looting. It's not even really the uh, the majority of them is not the people that, that live there. You know, it's the ones that don't live there. So my thing is, for the people that don't live there, don't, if you're going to come in there, come here and protest the right way. Don't come and mess up other people's stuff because guess what? When you leave, you get in that plane, that train, that bus, or that car, and you go back home, these people that live there in Ferguson, have live. they have right. to live and they have to endure what, what the majority of you guys have messed up, and that's not right. Um, so, so you know, we can talk about that, that you know, going forward, but, you know, more and more. But I just want us to be aware. I want us to, to be able to, to fight for our rights, fight for equality as, as gay, um, gay men and women. We have our own things that, that, that we need to be fighting for day in and day out. We need to be fighting for queer and trans um, youth homelessness. There's a lot of that going around, you know, violence against right. queer and right. trans youth, racial justice. You know, we, we have to we have to get in the fight for that. So you may not see the cause, no matter if you're white, black, African, European, whatever, minority, whatever you are. Um, and I hope no one thinks that this is coming down on a certain race because it's not. But sometimes you have to look at black and white and not the gray. I'm sorry. You know, it, it is what it is. But there are so many things that within our LGBT community that we can actually join in the fight for and, and really and really get into it. And, and I myself, I, I, you know, I'm doing something, but I know that for me I can even do more. You know, so I think that we all, not only us on the line and people that are listening, but people that will listen, you know, we got to commit ourselves to a cause, you know, because if we don't and we don't start protesting in, uh, in the right way and advocating and being activists for certain things that are near and dear to our hearts, then it's going to be the demise of our community, whether it be black, white, or um, LGBTQ. You know, so we got to join in the fight, and we got to keep that going. 
Um, I want to um, share something really quickly, and then I'm going to end, um, end you guys. And then, of course, we'll have a part three um, toward the, the start of the new year um, where I'll just allow everybody to bring their own stuff and I'll just sit back and relax. But I, I want to talk really quickly about social media. And it was something that I, that I found um, that I think is, was really, really profound um, in regards to just being, you know, I talked about this on the judges' show um, that I had with some of the national judges, you know, being social media responsible, talked about it on the, the perspectives um, from a contestant perspective, those national competitors, we talked about it, just being social media responsible. Um, and, yeah. I think, and we talked about it on the last town meeting. So I want to read this really, really quickly. Um, there's no denying it that the rise of social media has left a most significant fingerprint on our society at large, from starting revolutions to triggering riots to pushing for reform. But more than anything, it's left its mark on our relationship. For some people, social media is their main avenue of connecting with the world, with the world around them. For others, it's just a small part of their lives, bridging the gap of communication with the world around them. But no matter how involved a person may be in the world of online, one thing is for sure – Social media carries the potential of impacting our relational etiquette in, uh, in, in pretty significant ways. Though I've been benefit, um, though I've benefited greatly from the ability to instantly share my life with the world around me, I came to realize that I've also lost some things in the process. No matter how shallow or deep you may be in the pool of social media, here are some things to consider with regard to the p- potential impact that it may have on real life interactions. We can lose our warmth. There is something powerful about the tangible connection of one human being to another. No matter how we try to replicate it, there is nothing more powerful than real-life connections. Sometimes we just need to we need someone with skin to give us a smile, wrap their arms around us, or hold our hands in theirs. In real life, we are forced to practice the skills of real human contact from the influence of eye contact to the tenderness of human embrace. Real-life interactions have the potential of exuding a powerful warmth that is so easy to forget when hiding behind the walls of the online world. We can become self-focused. They say junior high is the primary age of engaging in self-centered behaviors. I refer to this as a spotlight stage in which an adolescent lives life with the assumption that they are the center of attention and that all eyes are on them. This magnetized way of thinking can be harmful in the long run. I hope y'all listening, because when the spotlight is on you, everything becomes an ordeal. It's no wonder the early teens can be one of the most miserably dramatic stage in a person's life. The good news is all of us eventually outgrow the spotlight mentality. But the bad news is that social media seems to be ushering us back into the world of self-centeredness. Within the realm of social media, it is the norm to live with the spotlight mentality. And this is very um, – so some of you listeners, I, I, I know some of y'all because the person is talking about y'all. We are encouraged to share, tweet, and update every thought we think, feeling we have, and move we make. But how does this translate over into real relationships? Imagine a person walking around just yelling out their every thought, feeling, and action in real time. Within the context of actual life, this sounds so strange. Yet, this is what we are encouraged to do every day online. We enter into a state of self-absorption in which we are more interested in proclaiming to the world who we are and what we are doing rather than taking the time to get to know and engage the world around us. So we're so used to promoting others, we forget to edify, encourage, and focus on others. We're so used to thinking inward that when we begin to lose our desire to look out, to ask questions, and to put the other person first, we can lose our inhibition. I'm, I'm wrapping up. Here's the, here's the thing about real life and face-to-face relationships. 
they come with a filter. Now, granted, we all know that one person who says whatever comes to their mind, no matter the cost, but for the most part, we are all equipped with the ability to discern when to speak up and when to refrain. It's a part of us that is grounded in the truth that some things are just better left what? Unsaid. But you may have noticed something seems to happen to our inhibitions when we are messed behind the guise of a computer screen. Stepping into this virtual world, we find that we feel empowered and in control. Slowly, we let our walls down. Lastly, sometimes the lack of inhibition motivates us to say and do things in the online world that we would never say or do in real life. In the end, our online actions can have real-life consequences by tarnishing our reputation, ruining our friendships, or isolating us from people we could have otherwise connected with. It's important to recognize the impact that social media can have on our real-life relationships and challenge ourselves to interact with great wisdom, kindness, and humility, whether online or off. The world of social media has an important role in our society and personal relationships. It has the power to bring conflict and conceit or the opportunity for connection and collaboration. And with that said, I want you guys to hold the line for me, and we'll go ahead and play our, um, play our closing. So to my panel, thank you so much for holding the line for me. Well, guys, that's actually it for tonight's show. I want to thank my panel for an amazing and insightful conversation, and thank you to my listening audience as well. Appreciate your support. If you aren't doing anything this weekend, again, make sure to join me and the Diamond of the South Passenger System on this Friday in New Orleans, Louisiana, as we get ready to celebrate Daphne Dupree and Alphonse Dupree, as well as crown the new Diamonds of the South. And don't forget Mr. Duval on this Sunday in Jacksonville, Florida, celebrating Mr. Valentino Lord Alexander. As always, I have to leave you all with the quote of the week. So here it is. Friendship isn't about who you've known the longest. It's about who walked into your life and said, I'm here for you, and simply proved it. Always be thankful for today, because in one second, your entire life could change forever. Again, always be thankful for today, because in one second, your entire life could change forever. Until next time, you guys be blessed. Oh.